0: Okay, well, welcome. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Toby, and um, uh, I think I know most of you here, but for those of you that don't know me, I uh, help lead the Dallas missional community, and I've been a part of Providence for, it seems like, a long time, and it has been. It's been over a decade. So, um, in talking about belonging, this is a is a real personal thing for me. Um, I... Uh, I want to kind of just start out by telling you my story a little bit, not my whole life story, but I grew up in the church like a lot of you, and um, when I became an adult and got to make my own decisions and uh, really was deciding, do I really want to do this church thing, I got really cynical about the church, very discouraged, and I kind of just quit on church. And in my mind, I thought, I'm not quitting on you, God. I'm not quitting on Jesus. I'm just quitting church because everybody that goes to church has no idea what they're doing. Because, you know, when you're 22, you know everything, right? So, um, and it was just kind of by, you know, Providence. God kind of working through different people that kind of brought me to this church. And um, I'm not saying this is the only church that this could have happened. But it did happen here in Providence where I really learned about what the kingdom of God was, um, about the gospel, not of just Jesus dying so I can go to heaven, but Jesus dying and creating this awesome kingdom that we get to live in. And this church became my family in a matter of days. I wouldn't even say weeks. Um, My family, most of them are not Christians. They love me dearly. I love them. Neither one of us are perfect. But what I was really lacking in my life, which I can look back on now and see very clearly, was nobody in my life was pointing me to make great decisions in terms of being a child of God. People were telling me, don't be a teacher, go make more money. Not that that's a bad thing, but I didn't have anybody pointing me to Christ in my life. And this church became that family very quickly. I found moms and dads and brothers and sisters, and people that I definitely talk to a lot more than my biological family, Um, but people I think I'll know for the rest of my life. I mean, I I really believe that. Um, I brought my best friend along, and now, you know, we used to want to kill each other all the time, and now that only happens like once a year. So that's a big improvement. but the whole you're going to hear me say this many times kind of tonight but the whole idea is that this church is my family it's not like my family for i don't think that would be bad to say it's like my family but it is my family okay so if you look up there another way i could kind of say this whole belonging idea is the life together like really sharing life together okay so If you have been to our new members class or if you just heard this before, the way we kind of describe belonging in terms of believing, belonging, and blessing would be a continuous, ongoing commitment to one another. And some, you know, you could kind of think, hey, that's just a fancy word to describe fellowship. But to me, fellowship, I think back to when I was a kid, we had Fellowship Hall. And that's where you did your potluck meal or whatever, or your spaghetti dinner before Sunday night church for the super radical people. Um, you know, it's, I, th- I think of it as a lot more than fellowship. Because I can fellowship with a stranger I meet off the street, but I don't really belong to them. Okay. Okay. So, this thing, y'all, just it's so strange wearing this thing. But I'm going to get used to it. Okay. So, this is kind of what, when I think. And I've been to the new members class, by the way, I, at least six times. I really think it's more than that. And it used to be weeks on end. Um, and now it's just one day, like a full day. But still, I think it's worth it to kind of get to know what you're into. Because you're joining a family when you become a member of this church. Um, so... Before I go any further about this whole belonging thing, I know that if I were sitting there and at a certain time in my life, something that I might be thinking is, I don't belong to this church or I haven't always felt like I belonged to this church or I don't feel it today, but I used to feel it. There's so many ways to think that you might not feel like you belong or Maybe it's people in this church have wronged you. Maybe it's people that don't even go here anymore. And you're thinking, they didn't belong to me. I'm not saying everybody's thinking that, but I think it would be really easy to kind of go there in our minds. And I really want to encourage you to really think about this as our church belonging to each other, not he didn't really belong to me, or she belongs with all those people, but not these people. Let's think about it as we together, not I or you, but we. Um... Because it's so easy to know what other people don't do, right? It's so easy. Um, Big question number one. I didn't make up this question. This is something that has been around and something that Adam has talked about for the last few weeks, which is who is God calling us to be? So when you think about, like, what is God calling us to do, that really seems like a very... um, mysterious, ethereal, there's a million ways you can answer that question. And so, um, I'm going to kind of guide you some things, and I'm not going to say what God is calling us to be, because I don't know. That's not something I can decide, or Adam can decide, or Bud can decide. That's something we as a church are going to figure out along the way. And for tonight, we're really just going to think about it in terms of belonging. So, here's kind of a phrase. Who you are determines what you do. We've heard that before. And... Um, As a teacher, this is something that, you know, I talk to my students about. Like, you don't cheat. um, You know, you don't all of a sudden cheat one day. You kind of, it leads up to that. So who are determines what you do. It's very easy to try to do belonging. Okay? It's not easy to actually do it. It's easy to try to do it. Because try to do belonging, what you're going to end up doing is failing. Um, I've tried to do belonging In many other ways in my life, it's not going to, it doesn't work. It doesn't last long, okay? If you just do belonging, you're going to figure out real quick that it might not be worth it. And maybe God will be gracious to you and bring you around, and it will work. That would be awesome. But what I've seen is it doesn't really work that well. Um, This is where people, you hear about burnout or cynicism, okay? Um, For me, I was very cynical before, and I really think it's because I did church, I didn't really feel it. I did it um, because I didn't want to go to hell. That really that motivated all my decisions up until I was about 22. I didn't want to go to hell, and I did not even if I went to heaven, I didn't want to say, God, I did these things. Sorry. Okay? That motivated my decisions. And um, I'm glad to say that that's not the case anymore. Another thing that happens when you just try to do belonging is you feel hurt. Um, because inevitably people are going to let you down, right? So I have a few analogies to kind of think about this whole idea of this as a family. So um, there's going to be three salads up here, okay? And if you look up in there in the top left, that's the salad that most of us eat when we're kids. Some of us still eat that salad today. It's iceberg lettuce and ranch. Anybody still eat that salad? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and even if you don't eat that salad, who puts way more than a tablespoon of salad dressing on your salad? Okay, that's a lot more people. And what ends up happening is that your whole salad tastes like the salad dressing, right? And so that's like to kind of think about this if we're some kind of mixed salad and we're just iceberg lettuce, we're all the same, and then we're drenched with the same dressing, we all kind of just look the same. And we're not the same. And we can't make that happen. There's no perfect Christian. Um, and typically, that really gears itself towards a very spe- specific type of person. Um, and I don't feel like our church is like that, but it could be, all right? We're constantly changing, evolving church. And I don't, I don't think we need to think that we're above, you know, failing or falling or anything. We've got to rely on God to always... Um, always bring us where he wants us to, to go, all right? Um, people are inevitably left out. I don't know if any of you read Christian blogs. Honestly, don't recommend it. If you do, do not read the comments, because people are horrible. There's a lot of people, you know, who sit around and, and talk about what they don't like. And there are so many people groups that feel left out of the church. Singles, older people, people, single parents, Older people that don't have kids. um, People who are widows or widowers or people who they go to church but their husband or wife doesn't. I mean, the list could go on and on. And we're not even getting into like genders and races and other doctrine or anything like that. Um, But there's a lot of people that may feel left out of church. Okay? And I'm not going to say that we're above that ever happening here. I'm sure it has. Because that's really easy to happen. And so I want you to think about that's that salad. Okay, when you look in the middle... That's a salad, and if you go to a nice restaurant, maybe that's how your salad comes. And so, what do you do when you forget a salad like that? You mix it all together, hopefully, unless you're like weird. Okay, but maybe not. I don't know. You, I don't want to say you're weird, but um, you mix it all together. Okay. So when you think about this salad, you know everything's separate. It's not really a salad until you mix it together. It's just a bunch of vegetables. If you remember, uh, if you were here, Adam kind of talked about this salad. And he and I have talked over the last, we've had this belonging conversation for a long time, which is why I think he asked me to do this. But um, he had the kids, they each had a brown paper bag and they had a vegetable in it. Anybody here when he did that? So they mixed it all together and magically lettuce was the last, so it kind of made it a little bit difficult for the kids. But hopefully all the adults were like, this is a salad, we get it, we're all different, all that kind of stuff. But really, just having different pieces doesn't make a salad. Okay? It makes a mixed veggie bowl. Um, And that is something that um, is not bad in its nature to have things separate. Sometimes you want separate things, you don't want everything all together. All right? But in a church, if we separate everybody, if we say, Okay, all the men are over here, and all the women are over here. Okay, like that would be kind of strange. But that is how they do church some places. They keep the men and women separate. Uh, Our kids are over there. Is there a good reason for that? I think so. So separation is not, we would would be watching the kids run around this whole room if we had all the kids in here, and you guys know it. Um, But always separating people out, you really miss out on a lot of things like that. I have learned so many things from people in this church that I wouldn't have thought I would. Not saying I underestimated people. It's just people surprise you when, they give, when you give them a chance. And God is so gracious to the people of this church. I have seen so many people through their mistakes, through their just humbleness, teach me so much about Jesus' character, the cruciform life, and if I was somewhere else in a building with all the other single women, I never would have learned that. And so I'm so thankful that, you know, if you're like, you know, we're a small church, so we really can't separate everybody out, we're gonna have like people in just, you know, little classrooms all around. But I'm so glad. I think we get a lot out of that. Um, and I hope you do too. So then we get this last salad, and it looks nice. It's not drenched in dressing. It has some seasoning. It's all this stuff. So when you think about this, we're mixed together. And so different voices. Okay? You're going to see different people up here of, you know, different backgrounds. You're going to see different people leading missional communities. We've, I mean, we've already seen this. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. And as a leader in this church, you know, I'm always going to push for that to continue because that's what I see in the Bible. Um, That's what I see Jesus doing, so I think that's what we need to do. And, you know, I say this, you say, well, that's how we already all are. Well, it's not fully how we are all the time. I mean, look around. I want you to look around this room and think, are we all really a mixed salad? Or do we all kind of still look alike? I don't think the answer is to go out and handpick people that have different things that we need. It's really just to be open to it. And um, you can think you're open to it and not be. And this is something that I've really had to challenge myself on, knowing that I'm going to get up here and thinking, what am I doing? So I'll kind of ask some questions later. That's something that we can kind of talk about in our missional communities. Are there people that were, you know, unintentionally not making feel welcome in these doors? And so that's kind of Adam's analogy. And really a lot of that I got from Scott McKnight, if you read any of his stuff. So I'm not claiming any of that solid stuff even though I really like it and probably I improvised a lot that he has not said. So here's a different analogy and this has to do with a puzzle and so I love working puzzles and I worked a puzzle this week Um, and I was like it's summer, it's the end of summer, I'm about to have to go back to work so I'm working this puzzle like a mad woman and I'm kinda thinking you know these pieces go over here, these pieces go over here And it was real nice because there were all different sections in the puzzle. However, I want you to think for a second. And this is an activity that I used to do when I worked at the YMCA. We're not going to do this activity. Don't worry. Um, But I had kids work like a little 25-piece puzzle. Um, And then I had kids work the same puzzle, but they were all spray painted one color. And we timed it first. Either I had two groups and they would compete, or I timed them doing one puzzle, and I'm like, okay, well, you're gonna do it again. You think you can be faster? And then it's like, joke's on you. All the, co- all the pieces are the same color. You're never gonna finish this puzzle, even though it's only 25 pieces. The only way to do that is to guess and check. And so, you know, you kind of think about, that analogy can really take you lots of places. And anyway, another way to kind of think about this is, any of you work puzzles, and you have find this piece, and it looks really interesting, and you're like, this piece does not belong to this puzzle. There's no way, nowhere on this puzzle. Um, I do that every time. Or I think a piece is missing. I'm like determined a piece is missing. And you know what? In my, I've done lots of puzzles, we'll just say. And that's never happened. But I always think it's happened. I think when we think about people, it's sometimes hard to really place people. What are their gifts? Not everybody knows what their gifts are, and your gifts change throughout your life. Believe it or not, I was the shyest kid. I hid behind my parents when I was like still 10 years old and even older than that. I, did, I never would have thought that I would be a teacher getting up and teaching in front of kids or that I would be here um, or speaking at my school to the faculty or different things like that. I mean, our gifts change, and this is really kind of where I think the puzzle analogy kind of breaks down. Um, I think there's a lot of places it can go, and I think there's a lot of places it can break down. Because when we think about that puzzle piece where we don't know where it goes, okay, and then we finally figure it out. I mean, everybody fits in the kingdom of God. I mean, you've got to think, if you think that's not true, who doesn't fit? Everybody fits in the kingdom of God. All are welcome to the table. Um, but once you place that piece somewhere, it doesn't have to stay there. Okay, so for those of you who've always done this certain thing, I'm not saying you've got to change it just for change's sake, but, you know, if you feel like, hey, I think God's leading me a certain way, talk to your missional community leader, Talk to Bud and Adam. I mean, there's a lot of places, you know, to serve and belong in this church. I've already kind of said about family. Really, a family is the best analogy of how a healthy church belongs to each other. Um. I was talking with Kelly Moss about roommates and I was telling her about this roommate I had and we had to buy everything separate in our refrigerator down to mustard and ketchup and things like you don't even go through a whole bottle of mustard in I don't know how long. If you have kids I get get that you probably do but there's certain things that you just don't need more than one bottle of in your refrigerator. And I had this roommate in college, and it didn't matter. It had to be separate. If, they, if we somehow bought the same brand, we had to put our initials on it. And it was super weird, OK? So think of if you married someone, and they're like, this is how we're going to buy our groceries. Or as a kid, you're like, mom, can I have mustard? And she's like, yeah, but take mine. Don't take dad's. That would be so weird. It's not something that families like, consciously do. Let's make sure to grocery shop, and we're only going to buy one. No, it just makes sense when you're a family that you would pool your resources only by one and that you would share and that you would sacrifice and you wouldn't keep track of who did what. That's what makes sense when you're a family. And so as we kind of get into Acts and re-read, the, reread that passage, I want you to think about that aspect um, of a family. Okay, so just to kind of sum up what I've said so far, really is not just attending events. I didn't say this but if you kind of read between the lines, or maybe I should say it, I don't know. Belonging is not just attending events. You can attend events all day long and you don't really belong, okay? Um, Events are great. It's part of belonging but it's not what it is, just. Fulfilling responsibilities or obligations. We've all felt the burden of, it's my week in childcare and I don't want to go, right? That's normal Anybody feel that way, I'm giving you, it's okay, okay? But when you feel like it's an obligation to attend, you know, on a weekly basis, that's not really belonging. And that really just means that there's some other problem, you know, and that's something you can kind of talk out with your missional community or your friends in this church or whatever. But, I mean, I think those are good indications that there's something else wrong there. Um, Belonging is being part of a family. And the thing that unites this family, rather than blood, is a shared identity in Christ. Christ died, rose again. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Anybody who recited that creed across the world, brothers and sisters. We in here have an even more shared identity because we are blessing our community and the world together. And so, you know, some things happen when belonging breaks down if you're not belonging it's very hard to believe long-term um, when I wasn't in church for several years it was very difficult. you know there were weeks that went by before I thought about Jesus okay and that leads to you know some issues with my faith um, I didn't participate in the mission I wasn't blessing people the same way I have here when I have belonged Um Sometimes belonging just breaks down because the differences are too big to overcome, okay? And some differences are too big to overcome. If you walked into a church and they were like, we're going to take your children and they're going to go be, like, wives to this guy, okay, that's a difference that's too big to overcome. And then there's a lot of gray in between. Um, But there's a lot of differences. Not. We've all heard the whole, like, the Baptist church that broke up over the carpet color, I actually did hear, that did happen in my hometown once. Like, that actually happened, I'm sure, more than once. And I'm sure a lot of differences have broken up more churches than that that are even sillier than carpet color, okay? And it's not necessarily breaking up of a church, but it's just, it does, you know, that's why belonging can break down when we look for the differences instead of the similarities. And really, there's only one similarity you need to look for, which is shared identity in Christ. Um... If belonging does break down, just because even if it's due to circumstances, that can cause issues, okay? If you're not seeing other Christians every day, a lot of times it kind of wears on you a little bit. We need the encouragement. We need the reminders. Hey, remember how awesome this thing, when this happened? I need to hear that. We all do. Also, blessing, that third part of the Believe, Belong, Bless, blessing becomes a burden when you're doing it by yourself, okay? Sometimes it's just one time. But if you're constantly like, hey, we as a community, we're going to do this. We're going to get 95 bags. And we don't do it, and Jason has to do 90 himself, that's a burden. That's probably too big a burden. <laughs> that won't happen. All right, so this, that whole idea of who God is calling us to be, I can't, answer that by myself. That is something we have to continually talk out as a church. Okay, but our second big question then is what is God calling us to do? Okay, this really puts the actions and the verbs and all of that stuff that, well, how do we actually do this? Okay, and I think us as a church, we're doing a lot of things. Um, And that's great. Okay. If we don't constantly look to God to help us say, hey, yeah, that is what you need to be doing, or you're just doing that because you always did that. And there's that's not really helping anything. we gotta we got to be aware that, that the possibility of that can always happen. So this is what the early church did. Okay, we saw the scripture, uh, Christian read, and um, you've probably heard it before, Acts 2, 42. And the, on my Bible, the NIV, and I looked at a lot of different ones, and they all pretty much had a very similar title of, the fellowship of the believers. Um, In this church, there was a mix of a lot of different type of people. So there would have been um, slaves, prostitutes, homeless people. Okay, we all know this, but I want you to think about that. Rich people, people at that time that were way rich, okay, and they had a lot of money, and they owned slaves. And then there's a slave over here. Maybe not, probably not their but maybe. There were men and women. There were children, there were people of different races. There were Jews and Gentiles and Roman citizens and non citizens. And so I want you to think about that. And I'm just going to kind of touch on some things that I think about when I see this. So when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bre- bread and to prayer, this is actually how our elders have set up our missional communities, hopefully, to model you in our modern day. Okay, Believing the gospel intentional talk about the gospel, um, sharing a meal, praying. Um, this is hopefully what our missional communities look like. Not exactly like theirs um, because the culture is different, the people are different, um, but there should be, I mean, this is what we see in the Bible. This hopefully is a guide. Everyone has, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I'm leaving that one for Adam to talk about, about why we're not performing any miracles anymore. That's a much harder thing to to describe. That's harder to describe than calculus. So again, leaving that to Adam. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So I used to read this and I thought, man, that's intense. They didn't have any privacy or had anything that belonged to them. That's probably not really a correct assessment of what happened, but this is what we do know. They were physically together. They weren't in isolation physically. They spent time together. Every day, I don't know. Um, no one was left out. All were welcome. And they were on an equal playing ground. The slave owner and the slave, equal playing ground. I mean, that is huge. That's huge for today, let alone back then when they didn't even have protests and learned in school about how slavery was wrong. I mean. That was, that, was, that was so, you know, such a wild thing to be even be happening at that time. And verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Okay, did they sell everything so that everybody lived a better life than they lived? You know, if you were the rich person, did you sell everything and then live like a homeless person? I don't think so. But again, the takeaway really is they were sacrificial. Um, Giving, when you're a part of a church, especially a church like this, where we don't have, like, a lot of rich benefactors, you know, tithing a million dollars or whatever, okay? We give sacrificially when we do things, and it hurts, I think, everybody who's doing it. um, They knew each other well enough to know the needs, okay? You have to know the other people in the church to even know what their needs are. Rather than just money, what do they need money for, you know, if someone has a problem with how they spend money, giving them money isn't necessarily going to help them. What do they really need? Okay? And for some people in that time, it was just food. Um, and people accepted the help. It's so easy to say, I got it. But they did accept the help. I mean, that's to me, I read this, they gave to anyone who had need. Those people took the help. Again, if it was food, I understand why they took it. they you know, pride doesn't get in the way when you're hungry. But it does get into the way for most of the needs that we have today, I think. It, it does happen a lot. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And so this whole everyday thing, I was looking at this, and, and I've heard a lot of different sermons on this, and I think, did everybody meet every single day? No, because where were most of those people? They were slaves. They, were, they couldn't meet every day, every single person. Um, They had to take care of their children. They had to go to the watering well. They had to go do these things. And just like us, we're not all going to meet every single day and just do this. That's not what we're called to do. Um, But they did have daily interaction with Christians. For those of you with families, I think this is great. Hopefully you're having daily interaction and talking about Jesus and talking about your issues and encouraging each other. Um, For those of you that are living on your own, hopefully you're doing the same thing. Um, And so it takes a little bit more effort, um, but it's worth it. Daily interaction with Christians enjoyed each other. So it wasn't just like reciting these things over and over. They enjoyed each other. I mean, slaves and slave owners enjoyed each other. Just think about that. That's weird to me. It's going to take me a long time to really wrap my head around that one. And they didn't do it out of obligation or responsibility. They had, um, they had glad and sincere hearts. Okay? I know my heart is not always glad and sincere, and if that's all we focused on for the next month, I think that would be time well spent. Um, f- verse 47, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So there's enjoying again. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I think that's easy to get caught up on, and I've heard pastors say, If you were doing, like you, like he's not part of it, but if you were doing what you're supposed to be doing, people would be walking through these doors. So get to it, all right? But the truth is everything is more complicated than just this causes this, okay, when it involves people because we are so far from perfect, all right, and we're still figuring it out. But the takeaway I get from that is that it was contagious. And for these people, especially those of you were going to be, you know, cast out of their family or killed or punished um, for being a part of the church, they thought whatever they had was worth the risk. And so I think, like, if I'm not going to tell someone something about our church, like, if they ask me about our church and I'm hesitant to hold back, what do I think I have? Like, why would I not want to share with them how awesome this is, you know? And so... Again, it's not so much just do it and worry about the why later. Um, I really think the why and the who we are has to come first. It has to be questions that we kind of wrestle through um, time and time again, not just one time. So we know our church is not going to look exactly like this. Um, We should see a lot of the same attributes. And, you know, This doesn't say anything about tithing, but we know that a church really can't function unless the people give their money, all right? And so here's something that I've kind of said, and I've kind of, like, made it a little bit more, like, applicable over time. This is kind of how I've told some people to view tithing, okay? On the one hand, you can think about tithing as trying to lose weight, okay? Some people don't struggle with this. In America, most people do struggle with this. And how do people try to lose weight? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start next week. I'll go good for five days, and then I'm, you know what? It wasn't worth it. I'll stop. I'll try it again. I'll backtrack. I'll try it again. That's how most diets work, right? And I think that's an easy way to kind of get into that tithing cycle of giving and not giving and giving and not giving. I think a better way to think about it is, like, you eat every day. You feed yourself. You don't forget to feed yourself. You don't do other things instead of feeding yourself unless maybe you were a drug addict or had severe you know, problems uh, that were causing you, you know, where you, need, you had a bigger need than just food. But most of us, we're not f- forgetting to feed ourselves. And think of your children. Would you forget to, to feed your children? Would you say, this is more important than feeding my children? And so I kind of think about it. This is how we feed the church. It's not the only way. But it's a necessary way. And so I know it's kind of awkward when pastors get up here and talk about tithing. I'm not a pastor of this church, so I don't really feel like it's awkward because I think of it as we. We need to tithe. Um, And so when we're struggling with that, that's something that's worth talking through. Um, Because, again, we can't just say, I'll do better next month. I just don't think that works. And so I'm going to send some of your missional communities some questions. Now this week we have the picnic, which is a great opportunity, by the way, for you to meet people you don't know. Our church is definitely smaller than it used to be. And if you don't know some people, this is a sizable group to where you should know everybody's name. And so I think that's a great say, hey, I just haven't met you before, or I met you a long time ago. What's your name? What do you do? All that kind of stuff. Um, So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, But there's some questions, and I'm not going to read through them right now except this one. Okay, so this is the last question. So It's going to kind of seem intense. I did have some builder questions, but let's face it, it's a little warm in here and y'all aren't listening at this point. So I'm gonna get you when you're in an air-conditioned room, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, to kind of go through some of these questions that I think would, are better answered in a small group setting. So here's the last question. Who could walk through this door and you would have a hard time being able to belong to and belong with. And I don't want you to think, nobody, man, I'm best friends with everybody, because I just, I don't buy it, okay? If a guy walked in wearing a Ku Klux Klan outfit, would you have a hard time belonging to him? Of course you would, all right? So everybody has something. I mean, and there's probably a lot lesser examples than that. So I want you to think about who is it that you really have a hard time getting along with or that you have a hard time saying man we're on equal footing when it comes to Jesus we have a lot of differences but we have this similarity okay and so um, you know a new community meeting is gonna be meeting here and if you were like I don't even know who a new community is talk to somebody who does they're gonna walk in and they're gonna have so many gifts that we don't have and I'm so excited And I want us as a church to really make them feel like they belong as part of this church um, because they are going to belong. And I don't want any of you to miss out on them belonging um, because I've met a lot of these people, and they have a lot of great things to add to our little mixed salad here. And so if you're already right now thinking, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, like I would pump the brakes on that and just really think, who is God calling us to be? Who is God calling me to be in terms of belonging? And really mull that over before you make decisions on what you need to do. Talk about it with people. Um, Because some ideas sound great until you think about it for five minutes, and then you're like, really, that was just me going back to my old habits or something like that. Um, So I'm going to pray, and then we're uh, going to meet up here for the bread and the wine, our meal together as our church tonight. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for this time. And as warm as it is in here, we do have some air conditioning and fans, and I thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray that people who have no air conditioning and are in places that are hotter than this, Lord, that you would give them comfort tonight or tomorrow as they meet. Um, I pray that we would be a church that would belong well to each other with glad and sincere hearts. I pray that the people of this church, um, that we would all – know how to belong to each other that we would all know how to meet each other's needs and so that no one would go wanting anything they need um, lord be with us as we get to encourage each other as we leave this building We pray that if there are people that have needs of our church that we would know what they are um, and that we'd be able to meet them in your name we pray amen